Hello, and welcome to another podcast we call Crash Course. My name is Jeremy Miller. I serve as president here at Rosedale Bible College. And on the podcast, Crash Course, we uh, look at a particular course that we offer here at Rosedale Bible College, and we talk with the instructor of that course and invite them just to share with us a little overview about the course and and uh, then the important things that um, they hope their students are gaining from it and we hope that are helpful to you. So today we have with us Conrad Showalter, who's been here at Rosedale for 17 years. When I say been here, he comes every winter. He and his wife Lynette actually teach this course together and uh, Lynette can't be here with us today. So Connor and I will be visiting about a course called Intro to Counseling. So welcome, Connor. Thank you. 17 years is a while. Every winter you, you've come. It is. It's been quite a journey. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your uh, professional life when you're not teaching a course at Rosedale. What are you doing? So I've been a bivocational counselor along with other things, teaching, pastoral work. Uh, Lynette is a, she is a, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Lynette is a licensed clinical social worker. She's worked in different uh, settings since uh, finishing her, uh, her educational program. She's worked in schools, public schools with support groups. She's worked as an adoption home study specialist in the county. yeah, she she has a private practice. Does a lot of uh, lot of counseling as well. So, what what vein of counseling or what what group of people do you find yourself uh, helping the most? It's really varied. From uh, from Lynette would work more with children than I do. I think she's good with children, and I think I'm not so good with children. (laughs) I enjoy working with teenagers, you know, about the time they're into high school, then I I start enjoying those relationships more. Yeah. Uh, But work with a wide range of people from, um, um, again, an age, um, from teenagers to retired people who are facing transitions, um, a wide variety of people in relation to faith, some uh, people with no, no faith experience or much religious background, others who have grown up in the church, and sometimes whose problems are pretty deeply rooted mm-hmm. in issues with the church, with their families, mm-hmm. and so on. And you bring that experience to the classroom at RBC and to our students here, uh, specifically to this course we call Intro to Counseling. So I'm curious, could you give us a bit of an overview of, of what, what that means? What sorts of things are you sure. doing there? The, the course as an introductory course really is an overview of the counseling field. We look at various theories of counseling that 
are in response to this basic question, how do people change? Mm. And so we look at some people believe that we change primarily by uh, some sort of cognitive awareness. Others believe that we change more in response to behavioral changes. Um, some, some people look from a Christian perspective, uh, especially at the ways that we've been wounded, and there's more of a focus on the heart and on the spiritual, um, spiritual side of things. Uh, some, you know, one of the one popular way form of counseling is is talk therapy, or and basically just listening well. So in this course, we look at at all these varied theories. We look at different topics. Lynette would typically uh, specifically address things like anxiety mm. and depression, which would be very common in our world. Uh, and issues that uh, she often deals with in her private practice. Uh, tell me about, um, so you're looking at all of these uh, ways that we change. What's, uh, what's your hope for the students? So some students will be looking at counseling as a possible career path. Many, or maybe most, of the students won't be. Mm -hmm. And we see the things that we're talking about as being very directly related to discipleship. Mm. The more we learn about ourselves in relationship to, in relationship to God, in relationship to others, and in that internal world in relation to ourselves the more we learn about that uh, and the more we are seeking to understand god's way the more we are working becoming more like jesus we, we just believe that this will have practical implications it'll have a practical um, positive effect in in families and every relationship in the church and i sort of i hope that i hope that this course helps the church take back some of the place that we've given maybe to professional counselors and maybe mm. we've neglected our own responsibilities for caring for each other yeah for uh, and so if I'm hearing you right, you're, you're hoping that through this course, maybe students even gain some tools, perspectives that allow them to walk into those spaces uh, to help others more effectively. Yes, indeed. Okay. That is, that is, that's right on. Is there a particular way or a particular, what's the word I'm looking for? A particular, I think, way that, uh, is very practical, not only for our students, but for, uh, for average Christians, you know, who haven't gone through counseling courses and been to seminary and talked about how you help people. Uh, is there a way that you, 
you see Christians, if if they switch a particular mindset, being able to move forward fairly quickly into these spaces in a way that they're not right now? Uh, That's a really broad question. In terms of but. quickly, perhaps one of the one of the principles that comes to mind is James is his instruction to us to be slow to speak mm. quick to listen um and i think many people have an assumption about counseling that uh, that involves giving advice mm. or telling people what to do and someone recently was was noting how often Jesus responded to questions with another question. Mm. And so I think I think maybe just one thing would be to really listen well. Mm. Uh, say more about that. Uh, um. What 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 does listening do uh, to people that increases the potential of helpful change in our lives when we're listened to or when we listen to others? I think when others listen well to us, we typically see the things we're talking about in a clearer way. Mm. Um, one of Lynette's supervisors said, used to tell her that one of the strongest forms of intervention is observation. Mm. And so sometimes in listening, we, we make observations about what we're hearing. We make observations about the emotional reality. Mm. We observe we observe the words and we observe the nonverbals. And uh, often those things are really important mm -hmm. for the person's growing self-awareness. Mm -hmm. hmm. What, how, how does a person listen well? What are the characteristics of that? You know, how do you improve uh, on being the type of person that does that well? <laughs> when you ask that question, my mind goes back to uh, when I was about 17 years old and my mother was talking to me. And after just a bit, she said, Conrad, you're not listening to me. And being a bit of a smart aleck, I said, oh, yes, I am. And I repeated back to her word for word what she had just been saying. <laughs> and she, in her sort of gentle but also firm way, she grabbed me by the shoulders and she shook me and said, well, then act like you're listening. <laughs> so, yeah, we give people our full attention. 
when we when we listen well. Yeah. Um, and often, I think maybe that's increasingly rare in a world where we're so distracted by mm. all sorts of devices and notifications and little <laughs> bells and yeah. reminders of other things going on. Are there, Conrad, are there practical uh, ways that you as a counselor position yourself or set yourself up to listen well? You, you talk about the plenty of opportunities to be distracted. Mm. How does a just an average... Joe, for lack of a better word, <laughs> apologies to all the Joes who might be listening. Uh, an average person set themselves up practically to listen well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spend some time on what we call attending skills, just practical ways. Just what are some of those that. skills? So, um, some wow. of these are quite culturally determined. But for example, what's a comfortable working distance? Mm. And in American culture, we typically say about four feet, okay. you know, is, is comfortable. In some other cultures, that's very uncomfortable and you need to move closer. Mm. You need to get much closer. Mm. Um, and so if you're, if you're talking with somebody from one of those cultures, it means recognizing the difference, and it'll probably mean pushing your own comfort level mm-hmm. to uh, to get close enough. Or I'm thinking even maybe of our children, or even when I'm talking with my wife, they want to be much closer Yes. than, say, a student who's in my office trying to process sure. something. So, yeah, we're talking there about adults and so with children, uh, for sure, mm. the, the importance of getting down mm-hmm. on their level, removing that... Uh-huh. Huge height, <laughs> size gap, yeah. lessening that and, and helping them feel, mm. you know, yeah. on the same level in some sense. Yeah. Um, eye contact. Mm. Again, we have, we have, we need to, counselors need to know that there are some cultures that vary with that. And yeah. so eye contact, especially with someone who's seen in a place of authority, would not you wouldn't have eye contact in that context and so again to not make too many judgments especially when dealing with different cultures or sometimes um, sometimes if there has been abuse in someone's past um, for example if I'm talking with a woman who was abused she may not establish eye contact with me for some of those reasons um, Practical thing is to not do, not seat ourselves the way we are across a desk, <laughs> but to have okay. to have just open space. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really interesting because I uh, so in my office I used to have this giant wooden desk, and I'd meet with people all day long, and here mm-hmm. I was behind this giant desk, and then there were chairs kind of arranged in front of me. I, I hated that, and mm-hmm. so. Here a year ago or so, I, I took the desk out yes, and just had a little coffee table and chairs around. It is, it's been so much fun to meet with people yes, in that way. Yes, exactly. If you think about, you think about, you know, in movies where you have a powerful executive, yeah. 
Where is the, where is that person <laughs> positioned? It's always behind a huge desk, you know, yeah. way up on an upper floor somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it just it sends messages mm-hmm. about power mm-hmm. and separation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally affirm your yeah. decision to move your desk out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's helpful to hear those little things. Um, I, I'm curious to hear maybe a, just some reflection on um, how how you personally or how you advise people uh, to manage the role of technology in their lives as it relates to establishing and maintaining healthy relationships, interpersonal relationships, or maybe even in our families. Uh, how, how do you think about that? Uh, you talked about being distracted and making it hard to listen. You've got all these notifications. I, I looked at my dad's phone over Christmas when I was home. <laughs> and, and uh, on his, this is just a side note, on, on his phone, his email, his little email uh, uh, app had this red circle with several thousand alerts. And I found my anxiety level just went up looking at that. <laughs> How do you function with this constant red light that also indicates a virtually impossible inbox to clear at this point. Sure. Anyway, um, like that kind of level of anxiety, I went up in anxiety for him, you know, just, just (laughs) from seeing it. Exactly. Uh (laughs) Anyway, so all all of these things are coming at us, but there has to be space to to have conversations like this or with people that we care about. Um, If we're going to listen, if we're going to, really love people. How do you think about those things? It's really interesting that in the last two years since COVID, um, the counseling world has really shifted in some ways in terms of distance Mm. connections. So now we have teletherapy Mm -hmm. that has become very popular. Mm And I think, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't have thought much about that. Mm. But um, technology does make some relationships possible for counseling, Mm -hmm. for staying in connection, for discipleship. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes those things possible in ways that we often haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm currently, I work with a former college student who's in another state. Mm. And so we speak by uh, cross Skype or Zoom or whatever mm-hmm. particular technology we're using. Uh, just, had, just had some communication this morning with uh, someone that I had been privileged to meet in another country when we were working in an expat church um, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And he contacted me and wondered if we could set up a, a Zoom chat. Yeah. So those those sorts of things are just wonderful. Yeah. Um, some of this really has to do with personality. I'm afraid I would tend to be more like your dad. 
I don't assume full responsibility for all of those things that I try to keep up with, you know, with right. the current things. Yeah. But, uh, it's easy for me to miss some things, mm-hmm. you know, in my inbox sometimes yeah. that uh, I feel embarrassed by when I get back to them. But, um, yeah. How, how do you think about, um, so, so you talked about the advantages, some of the advantages that new technology brings. Uh, how do you, how do you think about the cautions or the practical sort of restraints that are required not to sort of spin into an endless uh, digital world. We all have to sort sort out those the specific challenges that we may feel. Mm. And I don't think they're the same for mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about oh, for you know, for parents to really be able to give young children especially full attention. Uh, Technology, social media can really get in the way there. Mm -hmm. Um, For, you know, for for people who are bringing work home, sometimes technology allows, and now, you know, recently has, for some people, has demanded working at home. Well, right. that can then mean you have access to work all the time. Yeah. And you never have to leave it, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I tend to believe that the specific ways that w- people struggle mm-hmm. will be in some way uh, linked to personality differences. Yeah. Okay. And I, again, self-awareness. Sure. Uh, being willing to have other people uh, look at us and say, you know, this is this is what I'm observing. Yeah. Are you okay with, is that, first, is that accurate? And then if it is, yeah. are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Conrad, I want to go back uh, to something you mentioned uh, that... <clears throat> Uh, that Lynette actually works a lot on, I suspect it's part of your practice as well. But this idea of anxiety uh, and depression, uh, do you, is, you, is it your sense that we are at um, a similar place in terms of number of people who struggle with anxiety and depression as what might have been the case 25 years ago? Or do you think it's different today? I think it's different, and technology is certainly a part of that. We know, for example, the studies research shows that the more time a teenager spends, especially teenage girls, Mm. the more time they spend on social media, the more unhappy they will be. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's related then to depression because of the constant comparisons Mm -hmm. that are typically made Mm -hmm. in a social media context. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
I think certainly there are some, there's a rise in some of these things that, that are connected mm-hmm. to technology, maybe connected to the ways that personal relationships have been a bit weakened because of those changes then. Um, you know, if we spend if we spend less time in deeper relationships face to face, then all relationships become shallower, mm-hmm. less meaningful ultimately. Mm-hmm. So mm. that again will lead to can lead to either anxiety, depression, yeah. a sense of uh, a lack of purpose. Uh-huh. So that lack of purpose actually uh, can grow from, if I hear you right, a lack of personal relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. You care mm-hmm. to say more on that? What? Why? Why is that? I mean, what's the link there? Purpose and relationship. I believe God has clearly created us for relationship. Now, we have different personalities. Some of us are more extroverted, some of us more introverted. We need relationships in slightly different flavors and mm-hmm. varieties and, and sort of amount. But we all need relationship. Mm-hmm. And then if we don't have that, we're not living according to the design. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not experiencing life as God intended us to. So, I mean, just simple things like, uh, and I'm fascinated by studies, for example, that have to do with, with uh, addiction to painkillers. Mm. Lots of people go to the hospital and receive very strong pain medications as part of, you know, maybe following surgery or something of that sort. And so researchers ask the question, why do some people become addicted and why do other people who've had the very same medication, why do they not become addicted? And the difference seems to be in relation to what kind of relationships they go from the hospital to. Ah. If they return good relationships, a kind of supportive family community, they'll typically be off those, those meds. Huh. If they come from the hospital to a more chaotic world and messed up relationships and conflictual relationships, they will be more likely mm. to keep using those addictive drugs. And, and then move into a full pattern of addiction. Wow. So I, I just, relationships are important. Yeah. And so it, when you think about counseling, uh, you talked earlier about kind of the, the uh, assumption is that we're talking about how we change. Uh, so when we think about counseling, if somebody says, man, I, I just need some counseling, we're, we're wanting to often change something that's broken in us. Mm-hmm. But what I hear you saying is that change 
probably is a change in relationship quality with the people around us is actually what we're mm-hmm. after. It, is is that what you're saying? Is that is that a fair yes. inference to draw? Yes. And you know, principles that we work with in counseling and some of the styles of counseling that we talk about look very we take a very straightforward look at at the theology of you know sin mm. the power of the cross the power of Jesus mm. as a healer mm. and spiritual law sin always brings death now it doesn't always you know it's not always like the the fig tree that wilted the next day and was right, gone right we we tend to think oh well i did this and it didn't kill me right now right. didn't really seem to hurt me much i didn't it didn't cost me hardly right. anything yeah but in reality living against or outside of god's plan god's purpose god's law mm-hmm. spiritual law always brings damage destruction death so and not one person has escaped paying the cost not one person i love one a line from one of the the counselors that we take a look at who said none of us have perfect parents if we did we would have no need for god Mm. Mm. No one yeah. has perfect parents, and none of us respond perfectly. This is true, <laughs> and you learn fairly quickly <laughs> after having your children. <laughs> have mercy. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that feels like a really important connection at least in my mind as i listen to you in terms of thinking about what it means to be a healthy human being is that what that fundamentally means is that god's restoring relationship and we you hear that in the church but and then we often think about counseling as something different as you mentioned earlier it's kind of the professional thing that you do to kind of get better but really, uh, we may be going to counseling because we see the effects of of broken relationship and increased anxiety and depression or what, whatever the things are that are tormenting us. But the reality is that what's really broken is relationships with people we love and are near and with God himself. So how do, uh, when students uh, take your course, Intro to Counseling, is there like a particular pressure point or place in the curriculum that right now they really latch on to? Like, uh, this is where the rubber meets the road for me. So I think it happens throughout the course depending on again on the individual Mm -hmm. 
we try to emphasize that sort of that personal application by some of the assignments that we make, mm-hmm. lots of reading mm-hmm. in, uh, in relation to counseling theories and in relation to counseling issues. Mm-hmm. Students are often drawn to read something about something they have some connection to. Mm-hmm. And then in those, we, we, as part of those assignments, we require a reflection, a reading response that includes a personal application. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is just encourage people to not just gain cognitive knowledge, yeah. academic success, yeah. but also to think more deeply about how whatever it is I'm learning connects with my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a, let's say a person who's struggled with, with an eating disorder, uh, they'll often want to read something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many, in fact, many people say, you know, people often go into counseling to work on their own issues. I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. um, I have so more than, go ahead. Students, students seem to connect along the yeah. way with the things that they're reading and then yeah. the things that they're responding. And then that, that also then gives gives us opportunity to respond personally in mm-hmm. comments to those students. Yeah. Um, often invite uh, further conversation and mm-hmm. just say, you know, if you'd like to talk more about this, we'd love to we'd love to talk with you. Yeah. And that frequently happens. Yeah. Well, and I can vouch for that. It uh, it's been a, a great uh, relief at, when you and Lynette are on campus over the winter winter term uh, precisely because that a it's cloudy and dark and the seasonal depression uh, affects more than one student typically Uh, but also um, looking at these things raises those issues and then to have you around to help students walk through that is has been powerful for campus so thank you we've enjoyed it yeah well conrad uh thank you so much for having this conversation and uh i I know it's been uh helpful the insights there so thank you you're welcome it's been a privilege uh, for us to walk with this institution Mm -hmm. that we love well uh the privilege is ours Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast, Crash Course, and we hope you join us on the next one. Have a good day.